0: And I think that this, this passage will help us to answer our, our third question in the series of, of 10 questions to diagnose your spiritual health. And so today the question then uh, comes from this text. It, it says this, A new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this everyone will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. Now, first of all, this, this uh, command... He says a new command, but it wasn't completely new, but there's a new perspective now. We were always supposed to, to love one another, but, but now Jesus, he says to love one another as I have loved you. And so we love like Jesus loved. And right before he spoke these words, he washed his disciples' feet. So he gave a new perspective on what it actually means to love one another. Maybe we don't really know what it means to love each other. Well, serve each other, wash each other's feet. And second, we get, we get a reason to love now. We love because Jesus loved us. See, how much easier is it to love someone or to love people around when you actually feel that love? How much easier is it for us, you know, maybe a wife is, is feeling loved by her husband and she goes to work and she is able to, in, in, turn, in return, love other people around her. Or, or when parents love their students, the students go to school and they're able to love people around them. It's so much easier to love when you feel loved, well, Jesus showed that love to all of his followers, and then he said, now you go and love one another. So this was a command. It wasn't a recommendation. And so sometimes I'm not the best at parenting. Um, maybe more often than not, but my wife carries the load on that. So, um, but we have two daughters, Evan's two and Harper's four. And, uh, well, they play together a lot. But, but see, Harper used to be the boss. I mean, not only—I mean, she was the boss of the house, and the thing is, every toy that was in the whole house, it was her toy. She knew that I wasn't going to take her toy and, and play with it, and, and her mommy wasn't going to take the toy and play with it, but, um, but then Evan came along and ruined everything for Harper. I mean, to, not, not for all of us. Uh, <laughs> see, we, made, we, made, uh, we gave some of Harper's old toys to Evan, but in Harper's mind... Those are still her toys, right? Those aren't Evan's toys. And we asked Harper to do something that it was probably not fair, but we asked her to, to share. Yeah, that's, that's not fun. And so as recently as last week, I was having a conversation with Harper, and I know that she's told this to uh, her mom as well, but um, Harper wants a, a little brother. And uh, she's not getting a little sibling at, as far as we know at this point. I'm not trying to drop any hints or anything, but... Um, but uh, but Harper wants a little brother, and so I said, "Well, we only have we only have enough bedrooms for uh, for you know for all, all, only us four. So if you want a little brother, that means we have to get rid of, of Evan." And uh, and she said, "Okay, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I don't I don't know what's what's wrong with her, but um, anyway. So so what I do uh, in trying to to deal with this um, is I, I make them get along. I tell them that they have to love one another." I make them share and apologize and hug, and it didn't always feel like the right parenting, but when I read this text, it's like, well, I'm doing what Jesus did. I'm telling them you have to love one another, this command. But the difference is I just, I don't want to hear the girls complaining. I mean, they, you know, they're crying, and she took this, and she hit me, and I just don't want to hear it, so I, you got to apologize, hug. Well, Jesus did the same thing, but, but his reason was a lot different. He says to love one another so that everyone will know that you are my disciples. So do your friends, do you, does your family, do your coworkers? do your classmates, do they know that you are a follower of Jesus because of the way that you love one another? Not because you say you go to church or that you're baptized or that you're a Christian, but if you never said any of that, would the people around you know that you are a follower of Jesus by the way that you love one another? Would your family say that you're mean or would your coworkers would they say you're selfish? Would your friends say you're arrogant? So today we ask the question then, are you more loving? A couple weeks ago, Mark compared uh, what we're doing to uh, an office visit or a visit to the doctors, and uh, it might feel like that this morning. I hope it does. Uh, it may not, there may not be a lot of entertainment. My, my doctor always tells a joke when I get there, um, or he asks for one. So I'm going to try to do the same thing. I, I'm just setting you up here in case... I will tell a joke today, but uh, if you don't hear a joke, just laugh at some point, make me feel good. Um, but uh, I don't consider a successful doctor's visit being entertained. I don't go to hear the joke, I go to figure out what's wrong or, um, or you know, to figure out something that I might need to know about myself. And so this morning when we asked this question, are you more loving, I want, I want you to... Uh, walk through this, this text and, and try to think about these things and hopefully walk out of here not so much just entertain, but, but I want you to be able to answer this question more positively in the future. Um, because it's not about where you are now or where you were. We don't need to feel guilt or ashamed of, of what we've done. All we can do now is go forward and ask the question, are you more loving? And so like the visit to the doctors, they, they seem to ask, to answer the big question, they ask a, a bunch of smaller questions. You know, you go in and you say, well, I'm, I'm having some respiratory issues, and they ask you, have you had a headache? Have you had a fever? You know, things like that. So small questions that lead to us to answer the big question, and that's what we're going to do today. Um, so we're going to go into this text in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and chapter 13 and try to pull out some questions then to answer this question. Uh, now this chapter, 1 Corinthians 13, has been known as the love chapter. It's used in 78% of all weddings. I don't know if that's true or not. I made that up, but um, but if if you've gone to if you've gone to ten weddings, you've probably heard it at seven or eight of those weddings. Uh, But to understand this passage, we need to understand where Paul's coming from. Why is he writing this letter to the church in Corinth? See, Corinth was a uh, was a great opportunity. Uh, Corinth is right between two seas, and there there's the the trade. And so there were uh, Greeks, Latins, Syrians, Egyptians, and Jews that all lived there. So if you shared the gospel, if you got the gospel to Corinth, the church could grow rapidly, not just locally, but through the trade, it could, it could expand throughout the known world. Um, so a church there would be great. But there were some issues in the town. Uh, they had the goddess of love, Aphrodite. Uh, there were temple prostitutes. And there was a way of life there that gave the city a bad reputation. And I, when I read about it, I just think, Las Vegas, you know. Um, And so we get to the church then in in Corinth, and they had issues of their own. And so Paul was trying to fix them. So he wrote them this letter, and we're going to look at part of it now. 1 Corinthians 12, beginning in verse 27. Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. And God has placed in the church first of all apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, of helping, of guidance, and of different kinds of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all have gifts of healing? Do all speak in tongues? Do all interpret? Now eagerly desire the greater gifts. Yet yeah, I will show you the most excellent way. So again, a couple weeks ago, Mark, I'm referencing him again. He's, he spoke on this longing for heaven. And I just want to bring it, bring it back quickly for this first question then. Are you thinking more and more about heaven for yourself and for others? See, he, Paul spoke of these gifts, and he put them in two classes. He said, first of all, apostles; second, prophets; and third, teachers." That's the first group. And then, at best, because he doesn't say fourth, he says, "And then, uh, miracles, gifts of healing, helping, guidance, and different kinds of tongues." So he puts them in two classes here. Um, and this is a this is a big deal. the The first gifts are the gifts of eternal matters, right? the The, the gifts of with the witnessing of Jesus, uh, the being prophets of the message, being teachers of the word; those are the, the gifts that matter. And then he says, "Eagerly desire the greater gifts." But then, but I think we get it wrong sometimes. We want we want the special gifts. We want the, the gifts that you know that help people right now. The gifts of of healing, right, and of guidance, of speaking in tongues, maybe of of uh, temporary matters. But Paul says, "Quit thinking about the things that matter right now." Think about what matters long-term. The eternal matters are uh, what our lives are about, so when we think more about eternity, we will be more loving. And then he transitions with this. He says, and yet I will show you the most excellent way. Not the right way or a good way or the best way, but the most excellent way. There's, there's something really big coming by him, by him to say it this way. If I said I, I go to the best church or I go to the most excellent church, I have the most excellent wife. I, I have the most excellent kids, right? That, that wording means something. So something's coming real big. And so he, he leads in then in, in uh, verse 1 of, of chapter 13. He says, If I speak in the tongues of men or of angels, but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clinging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship, that I may boast but do not have love, I gain nothing. So the second question, are you, are you using your gifts for yourself? Or a better way to say it is, are you being selfish? Are you living selfishly? If we do all these great things, if we follow the Bible, we try to follow Jesus' example, if we, we even give everything we have to the poor, but, but we're not a nice person, um, that's the best way I, I could say it right now. You, you gain nothing. But the good news is Paul helps us. He says, well, you, you want to be more loving. You want to live in this most excellent way. How do you do it? So he gives, he gives us some, some of the words that we hear at weddings a lot. He says in verse 4, Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. And so we simply need to just ask ourselves, or maybe the people who are closest to us, are we growing in the following areas? So first, are we growing in, in patience? Now, I think this is listed for, first, because without patience, you will not have a meaningful relationship with anyone longer than 10 minutes. We, it's just challenging. We, we know that. We have to have patience with one another. The next one is probably my favorite. It's kindness. See, you might really, really, really love someone. And in, in a challenging time in life, uh, maybe in just a time when you're emotional, you might express that. But if you're not kind to someone, no matter how much you love them, they will not know it. Now, if, if you're, if you're just, just not nice, you can say it. You can say it at certain times, but they're not going to know it, and they're probably not going to believe it either. We have to be kind to one another. Next is endurance. Uh, the word protects in this text actually means puts up with. Um, and, you know, al- although I should be continuing to mature, I'm just going to use this with my marriage because it, it is uh, uh, a text that we use a lot. It just has such, str- such strength to it. Um, I know that my wife has to put up with my shortcomings, with my failures. If she didn't, I wouldn't have time to mature and to grow through things, and we wouldn't have a, a good relationship and so we need endurance when we, when we want to love someone. Next one is, is trust. This is when you give someone the benefit of doubt. You know um, When you go into an issue or a dispute and you, you just don't, don't really uh, know what their motive is, trust is, is, a, is a key there to fix that. See, I, I don't know sometimes uh, what, why someone's attacking me or why they're, why they're saying the things they are, but when I trust them, when I give them the benefit of, of doubt then I'm assuming the best. Maybe they have a reason. Maybe they know something that I don't know. Maybe they're, they're facing some issues that are causing problems in their lives, and so I just have to trust them to be more loving to try to help fix the relationship and not attack the person. And then we have hope, which is pretty similar, but it's when you want what's best for everyone. I always want what's best for myself, and I say I want what's best for my friends and family, but, but sometimes... It's hard to get both. You know, it's hard to get what I want to, without giving, giving in a little. Um, so I need to compromise. Well, the best way to really know what's best for everyone is not for me to assume it. But instead, I have to ask those people, what do you want out of this? What's, what really is best for you? Maybe they don't have the right answer either. but I should at least probably start there to, to know where they're coming from. And then last, are we growing in perseverance? Love doesn't quit. Or as verse, verse 8 reiterates, love never fails. Michael Jordan is probably the best basketball player that the NBA or the world has ever seen. Uh, He gave uh, his insightful look into the success of of how he enjoyed this. I've seen it on posters and other places, even at the school, and I really like this. He said this, I've missed more than 9,000 shots in my career. I've lost almost 300 games. 26 times I've been trusted to take the game-winning shot and missed. I've failed over and over again in my life. And that is why I succeed. Michael Jordan wasn't the best basketball player because only of his talent. There's probably 10 or maybe 100 people who have been equally as talented as him, but they quit. They didn't have this, this love. They didn't continue to, to, to persevere even through the, the missed opportunities. Jordan was the best because of his love for the game. And although we don't have that same love for the game, our love is for people. And so we give that same love to to the people around us so equally as important uh this this next list the first list was are you growing this one is are you shrinking in these areas and the first one is jealousy i don't think of myself as a jealous person um relationally i don't i don't think for possessions um but i i think there's been times where i think and they have it pretty easy and, and really what I'm thinking is, how did they get it so easy? And, and what I should be thinking is, wow, they, they have it pretty easy. That's good for them, right? Maybe they don't really, but at least my perception should be more positive. I should be happy for them and, and not jealous about it. Uh, pride is the next one. Um, this is a real easy one. To, to avoid pride, you don't have to think of yourself as being a horrible person. But don't think of everyone else as being horrible people either, Right, we're all at the same level. Uh, the next one is rudeness. Again, just ask your family um, if, if you are more rude than you used to be. Uh, a young man called his mother uh, because he had met the woman of his dreams. Super excited. And so he, he didn't know what to do, though. He said, what, what should I do? Uh, how should I go about this? She said, well, send, her, send the lady a bouquet of flowers, and on the card, uh, invite her over for a home-cooked, home-cooked meal. So he, he gave it a shot, and about a week later, the, his mom called and said, well, how, how'd it go? He said, no, it, it didn't go well. He said, oh, the mom said, oh, did she not come over? She said, oh, no, no, she, she came over, but she refused to cook. <laughs> Are we rude? Uh, maybe we don't think it sometimes, but yeah. Um, next one is selfishness. Are you shrinking in selfishness? Um, now, this is another one where I think that we can, we can probably figure it out pretty easily. When you're, a, when you're a student, maybe you're in high school, and um, I know, I know uh, Sue, you probably saw this happen, but some people cut in to the front of the line, and we were not good kids sometimes, and I, I feel bad for any time. I may have done that, but I don't, I don't think I did. Um, but we always wanted to be in front. You couldn't run in the halls, but as soon as you hit the cafeteria door, you're, you're trying to sneak around and see who's looking, and you want to get in the front. And then we grow up, and that never happens again, right? I don't think so. Have you ever been to, in the McDonald's drive through uh, they really messed with us. There used to be one lane, and now they have two, and it merges into one. That's the worst place in the world right there, See, because, like, there's no rules there. You know, it's like, well, you could say, well, every other car gets to, ro- you rotate, that's how it should be. But then you think, well, maybe I pulled in here first, and even though my you know, that car is over there, uh, I was there first, so I'm gonna try to get my order out real quick, you know, you, you try to, you know, I'll have, I'll have a double cheeseburger with ketchup and pickles, and, and, uh, and she's like, what did you say, and you don't want to talk, you just want to get, get out of there, right, uh, we're, we might be selfish still, you know, and so you just want to ask yourself, you know, do you always want to be, you always want to be first in line, or, or can you let someone else go first, and I, and I've even seen it in church, um, since I'm, since I'm just coming from a different church, I feel like I can do this without giving it away, but I saw uh, a, a guy in Athens, his, his, um, he, he's a great, he serves a lot. Uh, he, he leads um, different things, and he helps all the time, and he's a great guy. And so one Sunday morning, I saw him uh, standing next to a pew, and there were, uh, there were um, some visitors there, and I thought... I need to go talk to those vis Oh, he, oh he's got it. He's, he's talking to them. This is perfect. He's going to get their names, and he's going to tell us every, all the information. And I watched just for a little bit, and then all of a sudden they stood up, and they moved back to a different row. And then he sat down where they were at. He was not getting their information. He was telling them to get out of his seat. Right? <laughs> What is wrong with people? And, and then, and then, and then uh, I think uh, I've seen it the other way too. I've seen people who sat in the same seat for a long time, and I've actually seen it in this church. I won't say which service to give it away, but I've seen the opposite. I've seen good. I've seen where someone is sitting, sitting in their seat, you know, where they sit every Sunday. That's okay. But they did the right thing and just went and sat in a different seat that day. So the, I think the, 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 the real solution is if you want your seat, just come earlier, and you got it. <laughs> The next one is, uh, is unnecessary anger. Are you shrinking in unnecessary anger? Um, again, I, I've made this about confession time, but I'm going to keep going with it uh, because of the relationship uh, in marriage, how I think a lot of these come about. Um, now, there's been times, I don't want to say how many times, but there's been times where I've realized midway through a, an argument or a dispute that I was wrong. Um, and that's hard for me to say, um, but it has happened. And, uh, and so, you know, what norm- normally any person would do if, if they're wrong, uh, you would, you know what, you know what, honey, you're right. I'm, I'm sorry, I shouldn't have said that. But what I probably maybe have done, she's, she's shaking her head no, what I maybe have done instead um, was con- continue on in the argument and try to win the argument. Uh, even though I knew I was wrong, just so I don't have to say I was wrong, and, and I don't know if that made, you know, brought unnecessary anger to me because I knew I was wrong, but it probably brought some to her, and that, that wasn't right that I did that, so I'm sorry. She, does she accept? I can't tell because the lights, yeah, I'm not sure, <laughs> but and that helps us with the next one because the next thing we need to shrink in is holding grudges, so that's good. Uh, forgiveness is probably the hardest of all these. I, I really think it is. Um, I think it's the hardest part of growing and maturing spiritually to actually forgive someone. I mean, and, and to mean it. I, I, don't, I know this is very personal, and every one of us probably has something. Um, and, and you just have to think, I mean, I mean, we think about it as, you know, uh, what kind of pain do I have right now because of what this person said or did to me? I, I know this one's hard. Um, but I think this is also the most important of all of them. Forgiveness is love. You know, we, Jesus didn't just say, I love you, that love that we learned from the beginning. He showed it. He showed us how much He loved us, that even while we were still sinners, while we were still messing up and maybe causing pain to Him, He took all that pain and died for us. That's a, that's a big deal. And so, how do we love then as Jesus loved, unconditionally forgiving no matter what? And so, to, now that we've looked at, at what these look like, uh, we, I want to see how we can maybe measure our progress. And so skip down with me to verse 11. Paul says, When I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put the ways of childhood behind me. I'm I'm just going to stop with the text there. Are you more loving today than you were 5, 10, or 30 years ago? Are you growing spiritually? Are you maturing? Um, You know, maybe from high school to now, or if you're in high school, maybe from junior high to now? Are you growing at all? Are you maturing? And so specifically then, are you more loving to other Christians? Galatians 6.10 says, therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. So if people are watching how Christians are doing among, among one another, how are we doing? What, what does this church, what, what, do, what does Christianity look like to the outside world? based off of the way that we're loving one another. Next, are you more loving to the lost? Luke 19.10, For the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. If Jesus came to seek and save the lost, not for the healthy, but for the sick, then who are you sharing the gospel with? Who are you telling about God's love? I mean, can you make a list of ten people that you've told about Jesus, or or three people, or one? I, I don't know, but I'm sure all of us could come up with a list right now of who doesn't know Jesus? Or or maybe they, they've been to church, but they don't really know what Jesus is all about, so I should tell them. And then last, are you are you more loving to your family? First Timothy five eight. Anyone who does not provide for their relatives, and especially for their own household, has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. Huge responsibility here. If you're not loving to your family, it says you're worse than the unbelievers. Basically, it's saying that you've denied your faith. The faith that you proclaim, now you're denying it. It's not, it's not real. The sincerity of loving family is so much different than anything else. I can come to church and pretend like I love people. I can fake that pretty easily. We could all do that for a, a couple hours a, a week or, or even a little more, but when you actually live with people and you're with them 24-7 or most of the time, you can't fake that. So how are you doing? Ask, ask your family, am I more loving than I used to be? Another good passage here is uh, Ephesians 5.21, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. If this is spiritual, what makes this special? I mean, there's submission, you know, any couple that gets married, they come up and they make their vows and they submit to one another. Um, but if you're not a Christian, that would end when you're not happy anymore. The submission is, is until, until I don't want to be with you anymore or until you don't make me happy. But as a Christian, it doesn't say, submit to one another uh, when you're happy. It says, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Because of who Jesus is and what he did for me, that's why I submit to, to one another and to my family here. And so, uh, as Christians, then, how are we doing? How do we, well, how do we become more loving? Again, it's not about trying a couple of weeks ago, I talked about staying connected to Jesus, following his example. It doesn't change. The message is the same. Think like Jesus thought. And then and Paul transitions uh, earlier, he said, uh, and yet I will show you the most excellent way. And, and he told us what those were. He said, the heavenly gifts, right? But then there was even more uh, as he goes on. See, I think chapter 12 and 13, there shouldn't have been a break there. I know it was kind of long, so we just put a break there, but... But I think that really goes together because he says to eagerly desire the greater gifts. And I don't think they're gifts that only, only one person gets or ten people get. I think, it, I think these are the things that everyone can get. In any relationship, you can have these. And he says it at the end of 1 Corinthians 13, verse 13, and now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. Now, I think, I think there's a reason that, that uh, love is the greatest. And there's a couple reasons I've heard. Well, one reason was because love is the only thing that will always last. See, we have faith and we have hope now, but once we're in heaven, we don't need faith anymore. We, I mean, we'll see God, we'll be with God. And right now we have the hope uh, of, of heaven, um, but once we're there, we, we don't have that, but love will remain. We will continue to feel God's love, and He will continue uh, to, to love us, and we can love him. And so love remains. But I think there's another reason uh, that he says this. Um, and maybe this is just my take on it, but, but faith, hope, and love. So it starts, and it ends with love. If love is, is right here, this is God's love for you. God loved you so much that he sent Jesus to die on the cross for your sins. We are separated from God, and apart from this love that was shown through Jesus, we will all be conter- uh, eternally condemned. And so it starts with his love, and then, and then we get to hope. Because of that love, every single person has the hope of eternity. We have the hope the hope of heaven, right? And so, so there's his love, and then we have hope in, in him because of that, and his promises. And then we get to faith, and that's that we live trusting in who God is and what he said. We trust God, we look forward to it, and we feel his love. And then it, and then it just keeps going. Uh, faith, hope, love, and then because of that, we share the hope with others. What better way to, to tell someone who uh, doesn't know about God is, is that he loves you, but you have the hope of an eternal life in heaven, a perfect life. And how are you going to possibly do that? Well, it ends with love, and that's your love to other people. You cannot share the gospel with anyone without being loving. It won't work. If, if I am a jerk to people around me, there is no way they're going to listen to me uh, when I tell them about Jesus. If I say I'm a Christian and and uh, and I want you to be too, and they look at me and say, "Yeah, yeah, good call with that." I don't want to be like you. There's no way it's going to happen, right? And so it starts with love, but it has to end with our love too. So we love because He first loved us. Do you feel God's love in your life? That's where it starts. That's where it ends. Know that God loves you so much that he sent his, his son to die for you. And once you accept that, you, you truly believe it, you will be able to answer that question of, does God love me? Yes. Yes, he does. Am I more loving? Yes. Yes, I am. If you don't know God's love, I ask that you'll come forward uh, to a prayer counselor today. Ask us. Ask the elders, the prayer counselors. Come and talk to the staff. What does this mean? What's he talking about? God's love. We want, we want you to know this more than anything else. But if you've already experienced that love, I just ask that you'll go out of here and ask yourself the question, am I more loving? And then, and then act accordingly. Let's pray. God, thank you so much uh, for your love. Thank you that, um, that you gave us um, a, a real life example of what that means, that you actually made a sacrifice and, and not just gave us words of how to live, but showed us what it means. And so I pray that as we go forward, uh, we continue to uh, feel, feel your love uh, that as we approach Easter, we remember the, the cross with Good Friday. And, and then when we get to Sunday, that we remember that you're not just loving, but you're so powerful. And so I thank you for that power. I ask that we, when we worship you today, uh, we acknowledge your love and your power. Thank you so much for Jesus. That's his name we pray. Amen.